0: Welcome to Frontlines, a weekly podcast produced by Legion Magazine, Canada's leading military history publication. Join us for stories and commentary on Canada's rich military past and present. I'm Stephen J. Thorne, and today we look at Reinhard Hartigan, the last of the German U-boat aces. He ranked number 24 on the list of Germany's Second World War U-boat aces, but in sheer chutzpah, few could compare with Reinhard Hartigan. Hartigan died in Germany on June 9, 2018, at age 105, the last of a breed both reviled and respected for preying on all manner of Allied ships from beneath the waves, a cloak of invisibility that offered them large measures of both risk and reward. In a service in which 784 of 1,156 Unterseeboat ended up at the bottom of the ocean, and 28,000 of 40,900 crew were killed, Corvette and Captain Hartigan was more than a survivor. In just five patrols, he sunk 22 ships, accounting for more than 115,000 tons, and damaged four others. He was a showman who conducted war in full view of Florida beachgoers, a naval officer who rejected Nazism as early as 1942, and a bold defender of his service, who risked Adolf Hitler's wrath by citing der Führer's strategic flaws to his face. The bulk of Hartigan's score came on two patrols during Operation Drumbeat, which targeted North American coastal shipping after the United States joined the war in December 1941. Commanding U-123, he effectively launched the mission off Nova Scotia on January 12, 1942 three weeks after departing Lorient, France, and days ahead of schedule by sinking the British freighter Cyclops at a cost of 98 merchant lives. Nearly 400 Allied ships would go down during the campaign, 19 of them credited to Hartigan over two patrols. A captain lieutenant at the time, equivalent to Navy Lieutenant, he famously surfaced off New York Harbor after navigating there using a map in a brochure from the 1939 world's fair just so his crew could take in the lights and the traffic of america's most famous city boy. The Jim, jim jump the jump in makes you your jive on the side I have cannot have... describe the feeling with words, but it was unbelievably beautiful and great, he later wrote. "I would have given away a kingdom for this moment if I had one." We were the first to be here, and for the first time in this war, a German soldier looked upon the coast of the USA. There were no mandatory blackouts along the eastern seaboard at that time. Hardigan and his fellow U-boat commanders spent weeks at sea targeting unprotected tankers and freighters, silhouetted by the glow of city lights. Years later, he told the Charlotte Observer he was very surprised at the lack of maritime defenses. No blackouts, no dimming, nothing. He and others described America's Atlantic Coast as a shooting gallery. From New York City, Hardigan sank ships all down the eastern seaboard. He torpedoed the tanker SS Gulf America off Jacksonville, Florida on April 11th. Surfacing and positioning U 123 between the flaming hulk and the beach before executing a coup de grace with his deck gun. The ship drifted seaward and sank several days later. All the vacationers had seen an impressive special performance. At President Franklin D. Roosevelt's expense, he wrote in his log, a burning tanker, artillery fire, the silhouette of a U-boat. How often had that been seen in America? The move almost cost him, however. As roads to the beach jammed with rubberneckers, 19 Gulf America crew died and beachgoers scrambled into rowboats to rescue survivors. The skipper lingered. Too long, it turned out. Forces converged on U-123, including aircraft from nearby bases, along with the American destroyer Dahlgren. One plane dropped a flare directly over the submarine. Hardigan crash-dived, hitting bottom at just 20 meters. Dahlgren had them on sonar. It closed in and dropped six depth charges. The boat took a terrible beating, Hartigan logged. The crew members fly about, and practically everything breaks down. Machinery hisses or roars everywhere trapped in shoal waters, his boat severely damaged, Hardigan was sure they were cooked. He ordered his crew to prepare to abandon ship and distributed the rotors from his Enigma cipher machines among the officers to get rid of randomly. He ensured the documents printed with water-soluble ink were left to soak. Scuttling charges were set and escape apparatus were handed out. All for naught. Dahlgren's skipper concluded that he had not made a U-boat contact after all and abandoned the attack. An incredulous Hartigan waited, surfaced, and limped to deeper water where he took up on the seabed again to rest and repair. A day later, they were back in action, sinking two more ships before setting course for France. He reported his exploits in verse, not the first of the U-boat aces to do so. It went something like this. For seven tankers, the hour has passed. The Q-ship hull went down by the meter. Two freighters, too, were sunk at last, and all of them by the same drum beater. In his 1990 book, Operation Drumbeat, author Michael Gannon said the campaign's impact on the supply chain constituted a greater strategic setback for the Allied war effort than did the defeat at Pearl Harbor. In terms of U.S. raw resources and materiel, he added, It was the costliest defeat of World War II. About 5,000 merchant mariners died in the U-boat offensive, which fell off later in 1942 as armed convoys and advanced technologies diminished their effectiveness. Already a recipient of the Knight's Cross, Hardigan was summoned by Hitler so he could present him with the oak leaves personally. He was invited to dine with him, sitting at his right, Hartigan told an interviewer in 1994 that he had been briefed by other Knight's Cross recipients on what to expect. They said Hitler wanted to hear straight talk about how the war was going. I had a list of concerns I wanted to bring up, he recalled, from morale, torpedoes, and how we were being used. Many party officials and military officers greeted me, and then I met the Fuhrer. He was very jovial and kind. He started by asking me to join him for lunch after the award of the Oaks. He told me he does not always seem to get an accurate view of what is happening on the fronts, and he wanted my opinion of the U-Boat War. I told him of all of my concerns regarding defective torpedoes, wolf packs needed to be tripled in size to be effective, and how a lack of effective organizing was hurting morale. He said Hitler, who was notoriously dismissive of the Kriegsmarine, agreed and told him Germany was caught completely unprepared for the type of war it was fighting, that his generals were doing their best but were in unfamiliar territory. He shouldered the blame, Hartigan said, saying he never wanted this war and only wanted Germany to have a rightful land and freedom. I told him that was irrelevant now. Since we are in the war, we must fight to win it. Some of his staff were not impressed. Other reports said he also told Hitler that German leadership was too focused on the Eastern Front at the expense of the West and the Battle of the Atlantic. They said he was reprimanded for his candor. I believe we could have won if we had focused solely on U-boat construction early on, Hardigan told his interview and a sentiment echoed by numerous historians. In 1939, I was appalled that we were going to war with such a small U-boat fleet. If, say, by 1940... We would have been able to field a thousand boats instead of twenty-six. We could have sunk every Allied ship and overwhelmed any convoys. Instead, he said, Germany was overwhelmed by Allied production. They could make more ships in a month than we could make in a year, he said. They developed new measures to combat us, and we developed ours too late. A former pilot, Reinhard Hartigan, had been badly hurt in a crash. He covered up his injuries in order to enter the U-boat service. After drumbeat, he was commandeered by Hitler in planning and training, and later Marine Land Forces. Mistaken for an SS officer of the same name, he was captured and released in 1946. He went into the heating oil business, representing, among others, Texaco, whose ships he had sunk. He visited the United States many times, conversing with survivors and veterans regularly. You have been listening to Frontlines. I'm Stephen J. Thorne. For this and other stories, visit legionmagazine.com frontlines. For more military history, subscribe to Legion Magazine at legionmagazine.com.